0: Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. On today's episode, we are talking body confidence and sexual confidence. I have a special guest joining us to share about her story and how that led her to becoming a more confident woman and what you can do today to improve your confidence in and outside of the bedroom. If you recently missed Unleash Your Sexual Energy, the Orgasmic Manifestation Experience, you absolutely Need to hear this. This experience was beyond anything I could have ever anticipated. It was so beautiful. Women were pushing through, moving through rather, some of their emotions that are holding them back from being the woman that they really want to be. And it was so beautiful. We had this safe space for women to share about what's going on with them, women to cry. It was so beautiful. There were so many things that I taught uh, these ladies to implement in their life in whatever way works best for them. And Ultimately, we taught the nine steps of an orgasmic manifestation ritual, which can be used any single way that you want to use them, whether you do all nine all the time, whether you do just a couple of them, it doesn't matter. This routine and this ritual is for you to create whatever works best for your schedule, for your life, and whatever you need right here and right now. If you are thinking, wow, I wish that I would have been a part of that you still can. You can get the recorded version of Unleash Your Sexual Energy, the Orgasmic Manifestation Experience, by going to unleash.jordandonelle.com. I hope that you go to check it out and see if it's a good fit for you. The feedback, the reviews, the ladies have been giving me is just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I could have not asked for a better experience. To be created. Joining me today is Erica Eileen. She is a sex and confidence coach and works through the lens of health at every size and sex positivity. Erica is a type 1 diabetic and has been living with this disability for 21 years. She believes that every person is deserving of confidence inside and outside of the bedroom. Erica has been featured in Cosmo, TikTok. She is one of the top 10 sex and love experts there and she encourages her audience to define confidence for themselves and what it means to be a rad, bad bitch. All right, Erica, I am so excited to have you join me today. I've been listening to some of your podcasts and podcasts with some other ladies, and you've talked about your confidence journey, how you are you know a sex and confidence coach. And I'm so curious to hear about your journey. Have you always been like this confident woman that you show up?
1: Okay. Well, first and foremost, I had no idea that you were listening to my podcast. So I'm having a little bit of a fangirl. I'm like, oh, who me? <laughs> I love that. But yeah. And thank you also for having me on. So my journey with confidence really only started about five or six years ago. The misconception that I was confident came from the fact that I am a very outgoing and bubbly person. So let me rewind a little bit for you, but I was diagnosed with type one diabetes when I was seven years old. So for those of you that are listening that might not know, there's a lot of stigma and stereotyping attached to the word diabetes. That's likely because 90% of people that have diabetes experience type two diabetes and a lot of the onset factors that we are told that guide us to type 2 diabetes are lack of exercise and poor nutritional choices. And so when we learn about medical conditions in the world, we learn about the mass majority. And so unfortunately, what happens is that when you're diagnosed with diabetes, you are automatically like within the second of your diagnosis, grouped in and stereotyped as someone who doesn't care about their health or someone who is quote unquote overweight, which is not actually a word in my opinion, but we'll use that for simplicity's sake of people trying to understand what I'm trying to say here. So at age seven, I was stereotyped from the get go with this uh, chronic disease that I had. And so In the language of chronic disease and child medicine, I would say... I ended up developing a lot of really poor self-worth because I was continuing to be told that I wasn't good enough or that my body failed me or that my family and my parents made really poor choices. And that's what led me to my diabetes. And what happened was as a seven-year-old who doesn't understand the world (laughs) in the way that I do now as almost 29 years old, I developed a lot of negative self-worth, a lot of Really difficult relationships with myself. And even though what most people were telling me was things about my body, and so developing a lot of negative thoughts towards that, as most of us know, when we have really poor body image or really poor self worth in one area, it trickles into the other. So I was a seven year old and I was having self worth problems already. Now you might be like, okay, yeah, every child does. But if you look back to children, they're not really meant to have a lot of self worth issues, because they don't go through the same things that we do. And life is a little bit easier when you're a kid. So that's where my journey really started. I went through life, believing that my diabetes was fine. I had amazing I have amazing parents who allowed me to continue to do the things that I wanted to do and allowed me to live the life that I did. But there was always this underlining feeling that my body had failed me, that I wasn't good enough. And I also really struggled with a lot of the emotional burdens that came with having a chronic disease at a young age. So when I became 16 years old or so, I started to feel the pressures of puberty, as most of us do, we start to get into high school, we start to get into, you know, we start reading magazines and we can see the tabloids that say like Jessica Simpson, 140 pounds, holy fuck, what the fuck is wrong with her? And I started to take on a lot of those messages myself. So I actually ended up developing a disorder called diabulimia, where you manipulate your insulin, which is a life-saving medicine. So I ended up actually manipulating that in my diabetes care in hopes of losing weight to fit in more. Obviously, it didn't work, as we know that most diets or manipulations don't, but I really struggled with who I was as a person. The problem was, and a lot of you might um, resonate with listening to this, is that people didn't really think to ask me about my confidence or how I felt about myself because I was really outgoing and I was super bubbly. I was the child on the dance stage, front and center. I loved... I, I wanted to be a celebrity. I loved the fame. I loved the idea of all that, and so people really just had no idea that I was struggling inside at the level that I was so After high school, I went to school. I did physical and health education, and I also did gender equality and social justice in university and when I went into university, I wanted to be a cancer researcher. So that was my goal going into school. And in first year, I ended up having to take an elective course. And so I was thrown into this gender equality, quote unquote, social justice. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I, this is not my interest whatsoever, And that is when my whole journey really started because for my whole life, I was dieting. My family is very health focused. I'll word it that way to put it nicely, (laughs) as many of our parents are. So my family was very health focused. And so when I was in this gender equality and social justice class, the first class we learned about this word oppression, and we're learning about different ways that people are oppressed and how it affects the way that we live. I had no idea that there was such thing as privilege. I also had no idea what the fuck fat phobia was. When I tell you my whole reality flipped and I went through a complete identity crisis because I went from believing this one way of the world, which was skinnier is better, skinnier is healthier, skinnier holds worth, fitness holds worth, all of these messages that I was ingrained to believe were now being challenged. Now I took what I learned and I was so into it. I was like, what the fuck is this world here? I developed a lot of anxiety and depression just realizing how fucked up the world actually is. But it was really good for me because it started challenging the way that I thought about myself. So in this program, then we learned about things like ableism, which I didn't realize I actually was a disabled person. I didn't realize that I had a lot of my own beliefs around ability. And I didn't realize that I had a lot of fat phobia that was ingrained in me that I had to work through. And so that was really a huge moving piece Piece in my journey. In the second year of that program, I ended up so enthralled just in all these new ideas about the world. And I studied a lot of the courses that were revolving sex. So I was a virgin. Quote unquote. I also hate this word virgin, but I'm going to use it. I was a virgin up until I was 20. And I was so intrigued by sex and sexuality. And I always was But in these programs, they were offering ones like AIDS in Africa and the history of AIDS and how that came about. We were learned there was courses about body image and pornography and how it affects the young woman's brain. And I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. So I started university wanting to be a cancer researcher and I ended school. Not knowing that I wanted to work in the sex industry or in the sex realm, but very interested and educated in the area. So after that, that's when I really started to see my own confidence starting to change. I went to Australia for a year, actually, and did the whole eat, love experience and left my partner back at home. I was like, love you, but I got to go and do this for myself. And I traveled for a year. And in that time, it was my goal to really accept my diabetes because at this point, I was about 15, 20 years into the disease almost. And I was still really struggling with the fact that I was someone with a disability and that I did have this really big piece of my life that was really difficult 24-7. So my goal of going to Australia was to just love and accept my body with devices on. So I used to hide a lot of my devices. If you see me, or were to see me walking down the beach, a lot of people used to call me robo girl, or like bionic bunny, which I think now is so sexy. I'm like, fuck, yeah, make me a robot. Fuck being a human. Like, we're all trash. (laughs) But at the time, I fucking hated it. And it was so hard on my confidence. And so I hid a lot of who I was. So in that trip, I really just started allowing myself to be seen as the person that I am. And then which then trickled into allowing myself to step into the person that I wanted to be. And so in the last, I would say, six years, my journey has really evolved. But I would honestly say that even in the last three years alone, I've gone from presenting myself and being this person that my parents and my colleagues and my family wanted me to be to where now I am a totally different person. I look completely different, but also too internally I'm different as well. And so long story short, to answer your question, no, I haven't always been this confident woman. It was a complete journey and a true journey of surrendering to who I actually wanted to be and what my actual calling was on this earth.
0: I love that. And it's so crazy how like we end up where we're supposed to be and where we need to be and that you ended up in these classes not because you necessarily really wanted them. It was just that that is where you ended up and it was so powerful. I love that. So
1: jealous. Oh yeah, I was miserable to be there. Like I was like, please, can we do anything else? But those, I was like, I'll do algebra. I'll do like calculus. And they were like, doesn't work with your schedule. And I was like, fuck, okay. (laughs)
0: Yes. I love that you went to Australia for a year. That's so amazing. I'm a huge traveler and traveling is part of my life and who I am. So that it sounds like an amazing journey and a great opportunity to rediscover who you want to be.
1: It was really cool because I was really removed from my reality. So My family was on the other side of the earth. I had a social following at the time because I was sharing my journey to self-love with diabetes. And so I had a pretty big following at the time surrounding that. But it was just really cool to be able to walk down the streets of the little town that I lived in, Perth, Australia, and like just be in my body. And I was like, not a single fucking person knows me. Like I could, I can be anyone and anything that I want to. And so it was, at first it felt really fake because I was almost playing charades with these versions of me. And then all of a sudden I just started noticing that I started to exist in the person that I wanted to be. And it was actually funny because when I came back, a lot of people were like, we don't know who you are anymore. And I actually found myself regressing. And I really also want to just like note that I found myself regressing because I was back in a comfortable um, place and I was back with people who I felt judged by and people that I had to validate. And so I went back to being the goody goody. I went back to following the rules. I went back to saying, yes, ma'am, no, sir. Essentially, to society, because I was back in that environment. And so, the thing that actually allowed me to make that next step after I had initially learned how to really hone in on who I was was to leave those environments and to leave those people. And it wasn't fun and it's not fun and it's so hard to this day. But if you are finding yourself right now continuously trapped in this idea that you have to be a certain person for someone, sometimes it's not as easy just to be yourself and say, well, if you don't like it, then fuck it. Sometimes you have to say, I will remove myself and give myself an opportunity to exist as the person that I want to be. And unfortunately, that, that means I'm going to have to leave you where you are. And that is also such a hard thing to do, but it's so worthy. You're so worthy of it. And it's so deserving when you do.
0: Yeah. I mean, you brought up so many things here. Now I just want to go off on a total tangent, but you know, I see like all these women who make new year's resolutions to, if I lose this much weight, if I have this much weight and it just totally breaks my heart, how in society, everything is based around this weight number and just learning to love yourself for who you are today seems to be such a far-fetched challenge. I guess you could say what, like, What tips do you have for women who are really struggling with this body confidence?
1: So I will genuinely and honestly say the best thing you can do for yourself is educate where your thoughts are coming from. So if I had not learned about privilege and fatphobia and ableism and racism and transphobia and homophobia and all the oppressions that we have that exist in our society, I actually don't believe I would have been able to fully accept myself as is. Because when you learn the deep-rooted oppressions that are within your desires to look a certain way or your desires to feel like you only have worth if you look a certain way you realize how, how many oppressions are supporting your ideas. So when I was first on my journey, for example, I was like, I just want to love myself. And then I was like, Oh, but I want to like, still be skinny. And I was like, Oh, bitch, you have to get over your fear of fat people and fat in order to actually love yourself, no matter what size you are. Right, you have to be able to look at the humans around you, and this is something that a lot of people don't want to fucking admit. And I swear, like a sailor, because I get so passionate about it, but I tell all my clients this is that if you're not ready to look around and be real with yourself and ask yourself, How do I actually view the folks around me? and what are the underlining or maybe even unconscious thoughts that I have about them, you're never going to be able to address the ones that you have about yourself. And people like to say or believe, well, no, I like that person. Like I can think she's pretty, but I can't think I'm pretty in that body. And no, (laughs) no, I'm really sorry to maybe be the one to tell you, but if you can't look at people of all abilities and sizes and races and genders and everything and see worth in everyone, then you'll never be able to see worth in yourself because you'll continuously subconsciously try to uphold whether it's Eurocentric beauty standards, whether it's ability, whatever it is that you're trying to uphold, it's just going to be a route race for you to continuously try to uphold that image.
0: I love that. And I think that that's such a really good point to make is that until you address that, you're not going to be able to love yourself.
1: And that's the truth. And that was the hardest lesson for me, which is why I share so openly that like I went into university not understanding privilege. I had no idea. I was very much the white girl that was like, oh, when we go to Dominican, we bring things for the poor people and we love the poor people. And I didn't realize at that time, like even how that was like the white savior. I also was like, oh, like very much. I just want to like, I want to be fit because I want to be healthy without realizing that my fat friends or the people around me are also probably exhibiting better health habits than I was when I had this amazing obsession to excessive exercise and eating 12 almonds instead of enjoying charcuterie board with my friends in university. So It's really the first step to actually loving yourself is not just being like, I love myself and I accept myself. You have to do a lot of shadow work and you have to be really fucking open to cracking what you believe about the world. Because when you open your heart and you open your mind to all the oppressions, like I was saying, that uplift your beliefs that you are going to have higher worth if you look a certain way once you crack that open, then you start to find acceptance, not only for those around you, but yourself, most important.
0: I love, love, love everything you're saying.
1: Yeah, because coaches, and I mean, not I don't hate on people, but like, I got like lots, of I got spicy attitude, that's for sure. And I sometimes laugh at what people are sharing, because they're like, hug yourself, love yourself, tell yourself you're worthy. And I'm like, okay, but you're also like telling yourself that your friend beside you here is not worthy because you're trying to lose weight. Yet you're like, like, no, it, it, it doesn't click. And so when people are on these self love journeys, I try to remind my audiences like you have to emotionally get real with yourself because you standing in the mirror saying I love myself I'm beautiful I'm great if you haven't done that inner work to understand how our thoughts and beliefs affect others and then back come back to affect wearing a bikini in the mirror and shaking your ass to Britney Spears is not gonna work you know making cute little notes on your mirror that say go girl you got this you're beautiful, (laughs) that's not gonna hit it. Like all of these things that I could say, I could sit here and name 150 different ways that you could love yourself, but you have to start with the emotional detachment to Eurocentric beauty standards and and the idea that being fat is bad.
0: Yes, speaking of self-care and self-love, you made a post today on Instagram that was fabulous.
1: And it slapped, it flew.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's so I think it's so good so for the people listening, you posted about the five different love languages and how to sh- represent those with self-love and it was such good information thank
1: you you know it's funny because this is the thing right like of course, as a confidence coach, my number one question is like I fucking hate myself how how can I love myself right and so when we When people and coaches and people like myself, when we're talking, a lot of the times we're sharing tips that resonate with us. And so if my love, like for example, my love language is acts of service and gifts. So whenever I'm coaching people, automatically I want to be like, well, you can love yourself by getting a Starbucks and doing a face mask and like organizing your shit for yourself or putting your bills on auto pay so you don't have to worry about it. Like naturally I want to go there, but that's not going to make someone feel loved who has a deep relationship to words of affirmation or physical touch. And so when we are loving other people, we're so fast, to be like, what's your love language? Let me show you love and make sure that I'm loving you properly. And so a couple months ago, I was like, well, why wouldn't we do that to ourselves? Because I've talked about it to friends and then I was like, you know what? This is how we have to treat and love ourselves as well. And so I started using my clients as little guinea pigs almost. And I was like, what's your love language? And I would give them certain things. And all of a sudden my clients were having these wonderful breakthroughs because they were loving themselves in the way that they want to be loved by others. And when they felt that the magnitude of the self love was just hitting so deep because they were like, oh, holy shit, I've been craving massages. And now I'm sitting here giving myself self-massages and it feels fucking bomb. Or if they're like, oh, I love words of affirmation. So now all of a sudden they're journaling and they're writing things down. They're like, oh, this feels so nice. And so the post today was so good. And so like home, hard hitting, home, hard, I don't know, like hitting hard, hitting hard home, (laughs) hitting home hard, (laughs) I'm so bad with my words sometimes, but it was so emotional for a lot of people because we talk so much about how to love others that we don't really talk about how to love ourselves sometimes.
0: Absolutely. And it's so interesting that you bring it up about like loving yourself in your own love language. Cause for me, mine is quality time. So that means taking myself on walks by the water daily or sitting out reading my book by the ocean. That means not having my schedule full of shit that just stresses me out and just having scheduled alone time all the time. And I never thought about it like that, but I I love that. I love that. You know, I was writing an article contributing to a women's health article earlier this week for Valentine's Day and we were talking about how to if you're a single woman, how to celebrate Valentine's Day and should you celebrate it? And I put all these ideas of how to celebrate it, but I put them all in my erotic blueprint, which I don't know. Are you familiar with that? No,
1: I'm not. I haven't done it. I'm very like picky about labels.
0: <laughs> so erotic blueprint is like the love languages of your sexuality. Mm. And so I'm sensual. So everything is like bubble baths <laughs> and rose petals and candles and like all of this mood setting music, da da da. And it's just so funny because I wrote that in my love language, not even thinking about how other people have different love languages.
1: Totally, totally. And it's fun too, because even like when I started coaching, I never thought about it that way. And really what led me there was having failed, I'll say failed with quotations for those of you listening, but failed client experiences in them being like but I still hate myself and I was sitting there being like well I don't know what the fuck to tell you because if you can't listen to me talk about history in the body and if you can't draw yourself a bubble bath and go and get a face mask at Shoppers Drug Mart or CVS on a Friday I don't know what to tell you and then then I had to like take a step back and be like well like you said right not everyone loves on themselves which is also a great kind of segue into like the self pleasure talk and talking about sex, right? Not everyone has sex the same way. So why the fuck are we sitting here? Right? It's just like when people like, well, how do I fuck myself better? And I'm like, well, like, what do you like? Because I like to be choked out to the point where I'm almost dying. And I see Jesus. But maybe you want to be spanked. Or maybe you want to have gentle, like soft, sensual touch. So It's the exact same, right? Being able to support clients by saying you have to love on yourself and give yourself the opportunity to feel love in a way that feels like love for you. Because when you're sitting there saying, oh, it's quality time, I'm sitting here literally being like, oh, hell no. That is my last and my least one. So when you're like, oh, I like to spend time, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. I can fill my schedule up with fun shit to do and tasks that I get to say, I fucking did that for myself. Like, good for you, bitch.
0: (laughs) I love that. And actually, you kind of segued right into something else I wanted to talk to you about. So you are top 10 on TikTok for sex and love people to follow. And sexual confidence is one of your areas of, quote, expertise. And I feel like a lot of times your overall confidence and sexual confidence really go hand in hand. And when it comes to being confident in the bedroom, like what does that even mean to you?
1: Totally. Yeah. So a big thing that I just want to point out is that When you understand what being confident means to you, you can then apply that to the bedroom. And so if you're listening right now and maybe listen to this podcast because sex is new and the idea of sexuality still kind of gives you the like little jitterbugs in your tummy, I just want to say that starting off by just understanding what confidence looks like for you outside the bedroom is going to tremendously help you with your confidence inside the bedroom and so don't think that by the end of this podcast you have to know everything that you like in bed and you have to know how to do it that's actually the farthest thing that's going to make you feel confident in the bedroom when we talk about confidence in the bedroom it's really allowing yourselves to know what your boundaries are what makes you excited what makes you maybe not excited and also to the skill to be able to communicate what you need so for many people they come to me and they're like, drop the blowjob tips, drop the coochie like squirting tips. I got to have them. Like I need this for good sex. And I'm like, okay, what part of your partner's penis do they like being touched the most? And they're like, I don't fucking know. I'm like, hey, there we go, right? So here's your first step is communication and learning how to tell your partner, hey, like I like really soft touch or hey, I want to be spanked to the point where I have black bruises on my ass for three weeks. And so when we talk about sexual confidence and if you're someone that feels really unconfident in the bedroom right now, you can start with even your sensuality. So your sensuality is your relationship to your senses in a pleasurable way. So in a way that brings you pleasure. And so if you're like, I don't know how to be confident in the bedroom right now, I want you to think about things that bring you pleasure in terms of your senses. So sights that make you feel sexy or comfort or gentle. I want you to think about the smells that might make you be like, Mm, like maybe your partner wears like a sexy perfume and you're like, oh, that just gets my freaking body pulsing. Maybe it's foods that when you eat them, you're just like, fuck, I don't know what spot it's hitting and whether it's the G spot, like the D spot, the A spot, like whatever spot it is, something's working there. i um, thinking about your favorite clothes that you wear or the way that you like, but certain blankets and stuff to touch you. When you start to develop a deeper relationship with the way that your body receives pleasure in a non-sexual way, then you can start incorporating that into the bedroom and knowing what you're going to like and what you're not going to like. So I'll use myself for an example. It's the easiest to do. When I started working through gaining Confidence in the bedroom, I had to really actually understand what I wanted so I was very bad at communicating as many of us are we're not really told that we're allowed to be like hey like this really sucks or this doesn't feel good we're told to arch our back and do that like weird face where we're like ah and then like pull some noises from your little throat there where it's like oh yeah well, this is what we are told right and so we're told to perform our sexuality we're not really told how to feel it and be told how to feel it and be in it so When I was working through gaining confidence in the bedroom, it was allowing myself to even just practice communication outside of the bedroom. So asking my partner, can you help me clean up? Or can you do this tonight? Or can we have chicken instead of steak? I'm not feeling steak, even though I know you've been marinating it. So practicing saying what you need. It was also practicing to allowing myself to receive pleasure outside of the bedroom. So Allowing myself to enjoy foods, allowing myself to be like, okay, what could make this moment a little bit more juicier, allowing myself to implement that in my day to day. And then also to really allowing myself to work on boundaries. And so that was things like, okay, I started watching a lot of porn. And I was like, Hmm, that looks really interesting. But then there was some porn that I watched that I was like, this is nothing that I feel called to. And that's okay. You don't necessarily always have to experience something in order to know that it might be something that you're not interested in. And maybe as you grow, you might be a little bit more confident to try things, but really just starting to define what I liked and what I didn't like, And then being open about it with the people that I was having sex with, which at the time was an incredible partner. And we actually worked through it together because I was like, this isn't working. This isn't working. (laughs) And he was really open to being like, okay, well, like, what do we want to do? And I said, I don't know, but I kind of want to like put on lingerie and go on top and like kind of be a little bit more in control. At the time, I didn't know that there was proper words for that. But I was like, you're not doing it right. So let me just do it now. Ditch, I love being a little sexy dom. You know what I mean? So so sometimes it's just even allowing yourself to play with different interests that are sparking your sparking your creativity a little bit.
0: Yes, I love that. And I love that you used porn to help get ideas of what you may not like and what you may like. Because so many times we talk about porn as not necessarily being great. Yeah. And that it's bad, it's unethical, it's this, it's that. But porn is a really great tool to learn for yourself. And it's a great tool to share with partners how you may like to be touched as well.
1: Yes. Because if you're new to expressing your communication, Maybe you don't have the language to say, I want to be choked out and spanked till I literally pass out. I know when I even started exploring my sexuality, I didn't know what sub and dom dynamics meant. I didn't know what BDSM stood for. I didn't know what all of these words were. And so, even watching porn through that, I was like, okay, I want to be watched. I learned through porn that I love partner play and more specifically partners play and group sex, like I was so able to be like, okay, I'm like interested in including people, or I'm interested in like having sex with these types of people, simply just by watching porn. Now, would I say go and learn everything from porn? I would honestly say no, just because there's a lot of acting in porn. But to be able to open up a porn and see, you know, maybe anal play, maybe you're like, That looks good. That looks like something that I'd be interested in. And then just to be able to start asking yourselves these questions, it's sometimes a good way to develop the vocabulary or some of the ideas in your head that you might be having a hard time connecting.
0: Yes. When you say anal, like the first thing that came to mind to me was double penetration.
1: Yeah. DP, which I had no idea what that meant for the longest time. I thought it just meant deep penetration. So of course everyone likes deep penetration, which they don't. I just in my head thought that everyone did. But then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I could have one in each hole. That's an interesting thought. Yes, I'm here for it. I know, it's fun, right? And so, yeah, I think porn gets a bad rep, and rightfully so. There's so many politics, and we could talk about porn for three years straight and the good and the bad and the ugly of it. But if you are new to developing your, I'll call it your palette, like your sexual palette or like your bedroom palette, don't be afraid to utilize. Porn or like even media like like maybe erotic videos um, or podcasts or audiobooks. Don't be afraid to use that as a way for you to start to to develop your palate that you're looking for.
0: Yeah, I actually have series of podcasts coming up after I launch this one where we're talking about erotica, kink. Oh shoot, what else is on there? But all kinds of these different dynamics for people to explore. And one thing that you brought up was about learning your turn-ons and turn-offs and kind of starting there. I have a program that I offer called Get the Sex You Desire. And that's one of like the first things that we start with is, what do you like? And that is such a good part to start with starting with learning yourself is so important. And there's so many tools out there to help you discover that. But ultimately, I find that most people don't know about these tools until they run into people like yourself and myself.
1: Yes, the, the scapegoats, as some people have loved to call us. But yeah, it's funny too, because even sometimes I kind of, I don't really get in my own head, but when I'm coaching, I'm like, okay, well, what else more do I have to offer? Like really, I sometimes get into my like head that I don't know enough. And if you are anyone who has any type of profession, you probably have experienced that yourself as well. And then I get on calls with people and I'm like, okay, do you love tough touch and aggressive touch and firm touch? Or do you like when your partner is very gentle with you? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, put your arm out, squeeze your wrist. Does that feel good? Yeah, you like the feeling? Okay, now gently like caress your wrist. Oh, you like how that feels or you don't? It's too sensitive for you. You like And they're like, "Oh yeah, no, that makes me feel sick." I'm like, "Okay, cool. Let's try with our nipples now." Squeeze your nipples. Does that feel good or does that hurt? And then now just take your fingertips and rub your nipples. Oh, your nipples are very large and pointy right now. Interesting. So, even like just helping people through that it's like those are the the pieces to, if you want to call it, really great sex. I think we're in a world right now, especially with like the call her daddy mentality. And we all grew up reading Cosmopolitan and wondering, you know, five best sex tips. 99% of them had nothing to do with us, ourselves. And so we now, we know how to give the Glock Glock 12,000 or whatever they fucking, call. I don't know, I'm not a, I have a thing against call her daddy. But like we have these, we have these skills to like double hand twist our blowjobs and we know how to, you know, make them come in five minutes, but we don't even know how to love on ourselves sometimes. And then we don't know how to experience that with other people. And so what I love right now about social media, which a lot of people are like, I fucking hate social media. I love it right now because there's so many people who are taking us back to the roots where we deserved to be back in high school and teaching us how to love on ourselves, not even in a sexual way, right? Like The word sensuality is so important to your self-confidence and your self-pleasure and your self-love, yet I didn't hear the word sensual until probably three years ago. And I was like, what the fuck is sensuality? I thought it was sexuality, until I realized it had nothing to do with sex. It just had to do with your relationship with pleasure and how open you are to receiving it through ways other than your genitals.
0: Yeah. And I think the space that we're showing up in is so valuable to just help share this information with women, help them become more confident with themselves in and out of the bedroom because they go hand in hand. And It's just so, it's so important. And I love where everything is going these days. Did you see how Instagram is now shadow banning banning
1: everything? (laughs) So here's the thing. I am not, I don't, nothing shocks me anymore. This is my fourth Instagram account that I'm currently navigating through. So I've been removed from Instagram three times. And I've also been removed from TikTok twice with over 70,000 followers each time. So let me just say that, like, when people are like, oh my gosh, like, this is so unfair. I am so surrendered to the inequality and the inequal <laughs> guideline rules because even today I was a little bit triggered. I'll tell you this. I know you'll appreciate this. And maybe some of your listeners too, who maybe support you. I was scrolling and I found this girl and she had a blue check mark. And she's a girl that does OnlyFans and she's one of the top creators. She has about 300,000 followers, give or take. And now I got blacklisted on my last profile. So that means that Instagram specifically is watching you. So you're not allowed using hashtags, the location, people can't share your content. People can't tag you. You have to type in their whole handle. It's basically like you can exist, but you, you don't really exist. And so I got blacklisted back in 2019 on this account that I'm on after being blacklisted on another page that got disabled. But it's funny because even now I'm three years in, I know all the rules. I've listened to all the podcasts. I've talked about it 150 times. I go on this girl's page today and her ass is just out and she's nipples showing. And I just had his—I had a full blown hissy fit. And the reason why I have hissy fits and you might be like, girl, get over it. Like she worked hard for our audience. The reason why I have hissy fits is because, like you're saying, there are so many incredible people who are really trying to support the liberation of sexuality and sexual liberation, especially for women and people alike. And then we get banned for using the word like, here's how to masturbate, here's how to receive pleasure for yourself. And then there are accounts that are available due to social currency, which I'll explain after, who are able to post things that... I literally was getting banned for posting one twelfth of. So social currency, for those of you that don't know, is essentially the more followers you have, blue check mark, the more value and people you bring to the app, the more rules you get taken, like the more rules that you are allowed to break. Because if you have 300,000 people that follow you, that's 300,000 people coming onto the app to check you out. So what good is it for Jordan and I to be there with our 9,000 and 2,000 followers? supporting what we do, bringing, quote unquote, no value to the platform.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so ridiculous. And then, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but also the body image that they will allow particular body types, but social media has fat phobia and they ban people who don't have, quote, what is the normalized body type
1: yeah and again like you said it's fat phobia there's racism and it's hard too because then you here's me i've worked through so much of my frustrations towards because i really know that it's not the girl with the 300 followers fault that she's able to do as she's doing but then you just kind of start to get pissed at each other right and so this is why comparison when people are like it's not fair to like yes comparison's important but not, like It's really hard not to. And when we have these systems in place, you develop these frustrations towards each other, continuously creating a war with ourselves and with our sexuality. Because now I'm sitting here having a hissy fit because so-and-so is allowed to post her bikini pic and I'm hating on her because I can't post a post about the word orgasm. But in reality, it's not that girl's fault. And in reality, me fighting with that girl Is not going to do anything, but that's what happens. And that's why we end up feeling like shit about our sexuality and feeling like we're not enough because even subconsciously Instagram's telling you, if you look like this, you're allowed to do that. And if you look like this, you don't. And that's going to also result in you not feeling sexy enough or good enough or value enough in your sexuality because you're not performing it in a way that Instagram and the social settings are essentially saying, yes, this is appropriate.
0: Yeah, it's such bullshit.
1: Yeah, it really is. (laughs) But that's a whole different topic.
0: (laughs) It is. It is. Well, this has been a fabulous conversation and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today about all of this. You shared some really good nuggets of information. I don't know why I use the word nuggets. Anyway. I
1: love that word. It's like chicken nuggets and McDonald's is bomb. I had McDonald's chicken nuggets yesterday and they were so good. So Well, you shared wonderful nuggets with us
0: and I love it. I love it. Is there anything that you'd like to add or anything that you hope that the listeners would take away from today's conversation?
1: Yeah, what I would love to just implement into your little nuggets into your brain there is that if you are struggling with the idea of self-love, if you're struggling with the idea of confidence and self-worth, I'm telling you there is no special potion. There's no special nothing that's going to get you to a place of self-acceptance like opening up your brain to the oppressions that are making you believe the way that you are. There are industries in place that continuously make money off of you hating yourself. There are oppressions and systemic injustices that are in place that make you feel like shit. And if you are someone that is a person of color or someone that is within the disability, or someone that has any type of oppression against you, you are going to be fighting against that. And that will lead you into feeling different about yourself due to the injustices and in the system. So please know that if you're feeling stuck, if you're like, Oh my god, nothing's working. It's likely because we just have to be really open to understanding how the world around us affects the way that we feel about ourselves.
0: Yes, I love that. I love that. Where can the listeners find you at?
1: Yeah, you can find me. I hang out mostly on Instagram, which is my handles at Erica's confidence co with an underscore. So you can find me there. And the link in my bio, you'll also find my TikTok. I'm not really active on it. because I'm always banned. So I have a little bit of like, tra- not trauma, but like, I'm a little bit salty towards that <laughs> place. Um, You can find me there. I also have my own podcast. It's called Rated E for Erica. And I talk about all things confidence and sex, especially in relation to business confidence, body confidence, and bedroom confidence. So you can also find me there as well.
0: Yes, I love it. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. And maybe we'll have another opportunity to chat because I know we got lots to talk about.
0: There's so much (laughs) we could talk about. Yes. So
1: thank you. (laughs) Thank you.
0: This episode is sponsored by Pure Romance by Jordan Jones, offering top bath and beauty products and relationship enhancement items. Check out the link in the bio to start shopping today. By shopping, you are supporting this podcast. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.